verses 9 through 12. And we're just going to talk from this thought today that God is shifting our shame and our desires. God is shifting our shame and our desires. Y'all got me all wired for sound. Verse 9 in Joshua 5 says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. Egypt represents the world. Egypt represents where we've come from. Egypt represents our place of bondage, and our bondage always represents shame. He says, I've rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. So that place has been called Gilgal to this day. While the Israelites were camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, they celebrated Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the first month. Verse 11, the very next day they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested from the land. Verse 12, no manna appeared on the day they first ate from the crops of the land and it was never seen again. So from that time on, the Israelite ate from the crops of Canaan. Canaan. Canaan is the place of promise. Now, I know we're still all in these COVID things, and uh, we, you know, we thought we were through COVID. Now COVID seems like it's trying on the uptick again. But look, I need you to talk back to me today because I believe God wants to talk to us. And I want you to say this and say it real loud. Say, God is shifting my shame and my desires. Now, some of y'all didn't really get it good, but that I'm going to push this train down the track. See, for many of us, we got to understand something. We can't get to the level that God has planned for us because of the shame that we carry from what we was. Mm-hmm. It's not even now, you're even now that's holding you back. You're still stuck on what was. You're not living like that now, but you're ashamed that others will know what you used to be like. Uh, don't look at me like that. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. I'm trying to help us today. The Bible declares, therefore, if any man be in Christ, you are a new creature. The old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new, which lets us know that without getting past our past, we can never shift our desires to where they're supposed to be. Are you listening to me? If you're listening, say, teach, Bishop. Oh, that made me feel good. Hey, God has promised Northwest so much. I'm going to help somebody. God has promised Northwest so much. But until there is a mindset shift to see beyond where you've been and to see beyond what you've gone through, he says, I cannot release uh, it at the level he desired. I can't get you to the level I want you on, meaning this, in this season, you need to prepare yourself to see God move in a uniquely different way. The way he moved last year is not going to be the way he's going to move this year. The way he moved the last time is not the way he's going to move this time. How he blessed you before is not the way he's going to bless you now. That's why he would even say in Lamentations, he gives us new mercies each and every morning. Are you still here? Why is he going to do that, Bishop? Because there are times in life, watch this, when God seeks to change the means of his provision to teach us lessons on our reliance upon him. Roll it back. Let me say it in slow motion for the people on the back row. There are times that God changes his means of provision 
You're looking for it one way. And you're, you say he's going to do it that way. But God said, I'm going to shift it so you can learn to totally depend on me. Because if we ever truly want to walk at the best God has level for us, we must move past being satisfied with where we are. Get this, y'all. God's faithfulness to provide is seen and shown when the manna stops because he knows unless he stops the manna, we will never desire the better or the best that he has for us. So God stops the manna. Somebody say he stops it. God stops the manna, watch this, to alter our appetites. Watch this. He stops the manna to reform the focus of our faith. He stops the manna because he realizes it requires a faith that plants, which means work. It requires, Pastor Peter, a faith that is patient, which deals with waiting. And y'all know we got waiting issues. God stops the manna to add new depth to their delight. So as you watch this faithful God, you'll find that the issue was never God's faithfulness, but rather the people's ability to prepare themselves for God to work in the midst of their situation. God had a promise that was ready made for them, only to find out, watch this, that they weren't ready to take hold of the specified promise. I got something waiting on you. You just not ready for it. Oh, good God. I, I got something prepared for you, but you're not ready for it. And the greatest lesson of preparation that God gives these children who are wandering around in the wilderness is the lesson of manna. This food that descends from heaven every day. And God wants you to realize something, that every day of your life, there are resources that show up in your life because he says, I'm the God of a, of a daily bread. I could give you something new every morning. You see, understand, manna really is a question. An accurate translation of manna is, what is it? That's what the word manna means. What is it? I've never seen this before. I've never seen it like that. Because God provided for them in the middle of their uncertainty. And all they could wonder is, what is it? Listen, because when you're uncertain, since y'all been talking about the sovereignty of God, you don't know how God knows all about it. You don't know how God's going to move. You just know he's in control and things just happen. But you don't know how it's going to happen. And you tripping and flipping. You about to lose your mind. And he sends you something. And you say, what is it? How did God provide? And when God provides like that, anyway, in spite of your uncertainty, the only thing you ought to be able to holler back is, manna that was manna 
Does anybody in here know anything about uh, uh, and can agree with me that there are some moments when the Lord has provided you for you and you had no clue how God was going to get it to you. You had no clue how it was going to get done. There was no explanation of how and why God did what he did. And if you know that, then you ought to be able to holler with me and say, manna. Mm -hmm. When he made a way out of no way, all you had to do was say what? When he gave you a job, you didn't even submit the resume. What did you say? When the check showed up in the mail and you didn't even know that, you, that they owed you money, what did you holler back say? Manna. Somebody today, you need to know about manna because the Lord has done some stuff in your life that literally left you scratching your head. Watch this. How did God do this? God has a way of providing for you in a way that leaves you scratching your head. And all you can say is, but now they've been eating manna for some 40 years now. 40 years is a mighty long time. And just when they get to the land of promise, I'm setting this up, I'm going somewhere. Just when they get to the land of promise, Moses passes away. Moses dies. Joshua takes hold. They're getting ready to invade Jericho. They come on over into Jordan. They're about to have their infamous battle with Joshua about the battle of Jericho. And all they have to do is shout and the walls are going to come down. Are you listening to me? All they have to do is what? Shout. And what's going to happen? But the scripture teaches us this morning that before they make that move, something miraculous happened. God stopped the manna. And he stops the manna, not out of punishment, but out of preparation. Uh, Northwest, you're about to walk into your promise. And God told me to tell you he's got to stop the manna. I'm going to say it real slow. You're about to walk into your promise. And God says you got to stop. He's got to stop the manna. You're about to find out how faithful I really am as your God. And if you're going to find that out, I got to stop the manna. He said you're about to move into what I declared would be years ago when I spoke to Pastor Mark. And the Lord says that in order to prepare you for where you're about to go, I need to stop the manna. Now, God, why do you have to do that? God, why do you have me tell these people this uh, after all this time? He says, this is what and how you've been provided for for a long time. He said, but now there's going to be no manna. So why does God stop the manna? And that's why I'm here today to talk about why he's stopping this. Number one, God stops the manna to alter our appetites. I apologize for the rubbing of this little scratchy thing I got on my face, but uh, y'all bear with us, all right? God stops the manna to alter our appetites. God seeks to place us in a, and you and I, in a, our chant and shift our desire. He wants our desires to be different. He wants our wants to be different than what we've always had. Watch this. Because your diet is linked to your desire. For they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Your, your, your desire, your diet is linked to your desire. Your diet is an expression of what you have hunger for. 
And so God says to the children of Israel, the reason I've got to change your diet is because I got to change the desire of your heart for you to want something different from simply from what you've grown accustomed to. You've had a taste of the land of promise before, yes, but you thought it was a sample. And now I need you to see it as an appetizer. See, for many of y'all, the reason why your neighbor is quiet is because they don't know the difference between a sample and an appetizer. Pre-COVID, uh, if you were to go to Sam's or Costco's, all these different places, they would give you a sample. And they would say, that's it, keep on moving. When you go to a restaurant, what they do, they give you an appetizer. Are you listening to me? That is to say that when you taste this, don't get up and leave. Why is that? Because that's not the end of the meal. That's just the beginning of the meal. And it's meant to whet your appetite for you to desire what the cook still has waiting for you in the kitchen. And some of y'all have been just moving as samples. When God said, I'm trying to get you to stay put, there's more coming out the kitchen. I don't know why I came to drop this on this morning all the way on from Holden Heights, but every blessing of God is not a sample that you should walk away from. It's an appetizer, y'all, that's meant to wet your palate for something greater that God has in store for you. I wish I had about 10 of y'all up in here who just believed that there was more on the way. Does anybody here believe that there's more on the way? You believe that better is coming down the road in the land of promise. You believe that greater has already been ordered for Northwest in your life. That God has more on the way. God is saying this morning, do you just want that little bit or do you want the fullness of what I have coming? Do you just, what do you really hunger for? What are you hungry for? God is trying to get them and you and I to the place of desire that you don't just want the sample, but you desire the full meal. I want everything that God has for me. Now, here's the issue. The issue that Jesus picks up when he talks about manna in the Gospel of John is a suggestion that the problem with the children of Israel is all that they wanted was the manna and nothing more. And here's the question I need to ask myself and I need to ask Northwest today is do you want more than just enough? Because the manna was just enough. The manna just got you through. The manna kept you in the barely making it zone. The manna represents living from paycheck to paycheck. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. The manna just represents, yeah, I'm going to get you through this sickness, but you're getting ready to get sick again. Do you want more? The question, what Jesus was really saying, he says, watch this. You better hold your head because it's going to mess you up. Jesus said, what do you desire from God? after you've gotten what you need from God. <laughs> I, I missed them, Pastor Peter. <laughs> that, that went over somebody here. Okay, let me, let me say it again. What do you desire from God after you've gotten what you need from God? Are you listening? 
See, in order to go to grow into the place of promise, God is saying, I need you to hunger for more than just need. Right? So, so, so watch this right there. God says, he says, he says, I need you to desire more. He says, he said, do you have desire for God when, you've, when God has already met your needs? What does that mean? Do you desire holiness? It's not popular, but it's still right. Do you hunger after his righteousness? Do you thirst for deeper, intimate relationship with God? So God says, that's what I got to do. I'm stopping the manna to give you a new appetite. Somebody just said, we say, God changing my appetite. In the natural, for some of that's a good thing too, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's changing my appetite. Would y'all do me a favor? I need to say this. I meant to give my testimony real quick, but I'm going to throw this at you. Would you look at somebody and say, Bishop? Y'all, no, y'all ain't say it right. Say, Bishop does not look like what he's been through. Pastor Peter knows back in February, I, I, had, I had surgery. I had prostate cancer. They got it all, y'all. Don't, 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 don't look at me like that. But God has miraculously just given me my energy, everything, you know, me and Pastor Peter was talking about because he said his dad went through it. And I, I, and I said, man, I already claimed healing and victory over this situation. And so I don't look like what I've been through. So I'm just, what, what's this, uh, July? So just five months post having surgery. But look what God done did. <laughs> number two, number two, number two, number two, number two, number two. I need y'all to get this. God stops the manna to reform the focus of our faith. You cannot go to new levels in God with the same faith that you had on yesterday. Every new level of God requires a new level of faith in God. Are you listening to me? Because faith is the key that unlocks the door for the place that God has prepared for you. And if you only trust God at this level, then this level is where you will remain and reside. The faith that it took Northwest to be over here is not the same faith that's going to get y'all over there. Good God. I'm trying to help somebody because what God has in store for this church, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither have it entered into the heart of man. All that God has prepared, prearranged, and preorchestrated for Northwest. You have yet to scratch the surface of the things that God is getting ready to do. Matter of fact, God is getting ready to give Northwest what I would call a mind-blowing experience. Watch this. If you only trust God at this level, then this is the level where you always remain. God will never usher you into a place that's greater than your faith in who he is. And watch this. And you'll never obey God above the level that you'll trust God. And God says, I need to put a new demand on your faith. Because the faith that gave you manna in the wilderness is not the level of faith. 
that's going to sustain you in the land of promise. Are you listening? Now, you're not, you're not going to eat manna any longer. You get ready to eat fruit. Here's the difference. The manna sh just showed up every morning. It did what? It just But the fruit it will require you to take seeds and plant them in the ground so that now you need a faith that knows how to work some seed. The manna just showed up. But to get the fruit, it's going to take some work. Somebody holler work. It's a four-letter word. It's not a cuss word. Holler work. It's going to take some work. Not only do I need faith that plants, that requires work. I need faith that's patient, which requires waiting. Watch this. Manna showed up every day, but it went away every night. Seeds have to be sown. And you have no other option but to wait on the seed you've sown to produce fruit. And here's what God is trying to get you to see up in here today. In the wilderness, you've gotten used to everything coming within a 24-hour window. Mm. Uh, I wish I had time to really deal with this today, Pastor Peter. Watch this. He says, he says, but I got to see that you've grown to a place where you got enough faith to endure a waiting season. Believe that even as it doesn't show up tomorrow, you know it's on the way. Is there anybody here say, I know it's on the way? It didn't show up yesterday, it hasn't shown up yet today, but I know it's on the way. I have to have enough faith to believe that God is doing something that my faith at this level, watch this, can endure some no's. Oh, man. My faith can endure what? Some no's. My faith at this level can survive some dry season. My faith at this level, watch this, can live through folks talking about me without me quitting. My faith at this level can endure it when it does not come easy. It's the immature saint who gives up and quits at the first sign of trouble. But it's the grown, mature saint in God who knows that when they don't like me, when they're talking about me, when it's hard and when it's a struggle, when it's not productive, I still got enough faith to believe that God is sitting on the throne in heaven. He's still sovereign. He's still in control. And he's working it out for my good. Are you listening to me? God says, you got to have faith that plants through work and a faith that is patient and waiting. I might get this done because that is what it takes to move into the next place I have for you. You have to have a new desire in your mouth. You got to have a new demand in your faith. But lastly, God told me to tell you, he stops the manna to add depth to your delight. God is saying, I want you to rejoice in something more than manna. He said, I want you to rejoice for something more than just having wilderness blessings. He says, because the wilderness blessing was that death to sustain you. That was not the promise. 
Okay, let me bring it on to you. The corner of Clare Corner in Pine Hills was just the wilderness. It wasn't the promise. Oh, God. <sighs> what did you say? It felt like it? It felt like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it did the same thing for them in the text. That's why they didn't mind staying there 40 years. <laughs> I said, it's, you got to understand. The wilderness was just a pit stop. It was a layover on the way to promise. Are you listening to me? The manna wasn't supposed to be forever. And the Bible says that the Lord stopped the manna after they ate of the fruit of the land and they celebrated Passover. He said, I'm not going to stop the manna until you know how to celebrate Passover. <laughs> Scripture lets us know that this is only the fourth mention of Passover in the Bible. It is only the first mention of this generation celebrating Passover in Scripture. And God says, I'm going to cut the manna off after you all have come to a place where you can finally celebrate Passover. And for those of y'all looking at me a little strange, you might not be aware of what Passover really is. Passover is the celebration of what they had passed over. It was them looking back to their days in Egypt when the death angel was sent to every house and that house was covered in blood. The, watch this. The death angel couldn't even knock on the door. The death angel had to pass over the house. And God sent me here to tell somebody that I'm getting ready to do some stuff for you because you've been covered and protected. He says, the Lord said, I'm going to stop the man. I'm going to give you fruit when you have good enough sense to pause and realize, watch this, that the only reason that you are where you are is because a little while ago there was something that should have knocked on your door. It should have took you out. But because I kept you covered, mm -hmm, because I kept you protected, there was something all it could do was just pass over. Somebody should have caught that in the Holy Ghost. There's some stuff that just passed over. It was sent to take you out, but because you were covered and protected in the blood, it just passed over. How, how, many, how many people up here besides me realize that there were some things that should have happened, there were some things that could have happened, but they didn't happen. It might have happened, but it couldn't happen. Why? Because the Lord kept you. And it passed over. And God sent me to tell you, he said, I need you to rejoice in that. Get this. He says the difference between you and the predecessor is that this generation that God is speaking to, because the ones who are going in is not the same ones who came out of Egypt. Many Bible readers know that according to the Bible, there were only about two of them out of all the people who came out of Egypt. That's Joshua and Caleb because they had another spirit about them. Everybody else is a new generation. This was not the generation that saw the Red Sea open. Are you still here? And I want you to start thinking about Northwest. There's a lot of people here now. You, you didn't see what they went through in the beginning. 
You, you, you didn't see the toil that they went through in the beginning. You, you didn't see how hard it was in the beginning. The, the, this generation didn't see the rain. The, this generation uh, didn't know who Pharaoh was. This generation are, 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 are the children. God says that the difference between you and all the mothers and fathers that knew Pharaoh and all the things that had done, watch this, and all they did was complain. They knew how good God was and all they did was complain. He says, so I need some folk who can look back on what I've done and can say, if don't nobody else thank God for that. I know what we passed over, and I know what the Lord has done for us, and I know what the Lord has brought us from. And he said, you can sit there all you want, but when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, and I remember what God has done for me and how God even now has touched my body. Guess what? I have to give God glory. And the real shout is, and I'm up out of here, is that this was not the generation that saw it all. But they could rejoice over what the Lord did for somebody else. And you know you've matured when you can rejoice over what God is doing for somebody else. He may not have stopped at your house, but I'm glad that he stopped by my neighbor's house and fixed them up. Can you rejoice on what God did for somebody else? I'm thanking God for each and every one of you. Because he's done some stuff in your life. How do I know? Because you're sitting here right now. That means at least he woke you up this morning. I used to hear the old hymn writer would say, but there's no secret to what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. God sent me here to tell y'all today, get ready. He's accelerating things in this season. He says, because now you've been going through, he says, he's been preparing you for the next phase. He said, you had to get your mind right. He said, the more you celebrate me from how I brought you from to here and how I have sustained you here, he said, the more I know you're ready for this next level. Man, I'm so glad I get to participate in on the ride with y'all. Are y'all glad about the ride? It get bumpy sometimes. It gets shaky sometimes. But guess what? Here's what I like about the story of the ark. And I'm, Pastor Peter, come on, I'm done. <laughs> but uh, here's what I like a story about the ark. When you think about that ark and all that was going on, all that they had on there, the animals, and you know, that means there was times that the ark got messy. It got smelly. It got, you know, because they did everything right there on the ark, Right? But you don't read about them, nobody jumping off. Because the safe, even though it was messy, it was still the safest place to be. I'm trying to help somebody in here right now. You, stuff, I don't care what church you go to, stuff go on. Right? It might get messy, but this is the safest place to be. Don't you jump off this ark. This is the safest place to be. He shifted some things to get you ready for your next. Gosh. I got so many things to say and I don't know what to say. <laughs> huh. Can you close in prayer for us?
Father God, right now in the name of Jesus. Mm. We thank you, God, that today you're stopping the matter. But God, we know that we got to go to work now because we got to plant seeds so that we can produce the harvest that's needed. God, I pray, for, I pray for the leadership of the ministry. Keep pouring into them. Let them not become weary and well-doing. For in due season, they're going to reap a great harvest if they faint not. God, let us be mature enough to understand that everybody's not going to get it at the same time. But God, we pray that, that we all began to mature and grow and become who you called us to be. Thank you, God that they're in a new season. Thank you, God. They don't have to eat manna now and say, what is it? God, they know that you're producing fruit and fruit that will remain is gonna stay. I'm excited about their next. As they move into the places of promise that you promised them over this ministry years ago, before many of them ever even showed up, there was a great promise from a great God with leaders who had great faith. Thank you, God. And God, we're not going to wait till the battle is over. We're going to shout right now because we know in the end we win. And we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.